0: What's up Raider Nation? Welcome in to Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, October 27th, 2021. Your boy Q here, still enjoying this bye week as the Raiders get to rest and relax a little bit, sitting there at five and two, having an off week as they prepare next week for the New York Giants in New York. So uh, got a lot of different conversations to have on today's show and every show. Coming up this week. Off top, I'd like to thank everyone for making the Locked On Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, the Locked On Raiders podcast is free and available on all platforms. Coming up on today's show, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On podcast voicemail line. That's coming up in segment number three, 707 654 4693. That's the number. You can always get at me on Twitter as well, at your boy Q254. Definitely appreciate when you reach out that way. Segment number two, going to talk about the trade deadline. A lot of folks have hit me up and said, Q, what's your thoughts on the trade deadline? You think think that the Raiders are going to go out there and make some moves? You think the Raiders are going to move somebody that's currently on the team? So uh, I went through, I did a little bit of research, and I got a handful of guys that I think the Raiders could potentially – be looking at as far as making a move before the November 2nd trade deadline. And then I got a couple guys that I'm looking at that the Raiders might try to move before that November 2nd trade deadline. So that'll come up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, as I do on the daily, I like to give you the news and the notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, the Raiders made some roster moves on Tuesday. They released former Saints and Ravens wide receiver Willie Sneed. He was the guy that was supposed to challenge Hunter Renfro for that slot position. Remember him and Willie Brown? Him and John Brown, excuse me, not Willie Brown. Shout out to Willie Brown. Old man Willie Brown but uh, John Brown were supposed to uh, be key contributors to this roster they were both signed in the offseason and uh, going back way back then I said hey I don't think both of those guys are gonna make the squad well here you go in October neither one of those guys are on the squad his agent Drew Rosenhaus asked uh, for his release because well he wasn't getting much playing time and Willie Sneed on the season has three catches and that's it so that's a lot of credit to Ruggs Edwards, Renfro, and Jones, the four remaining wide receivers on the active roster, showing that the Raiders are very happy with the young dudes that they have on the squad right now. So I do expect them to make some kind of move, either move a guy up from the practice squad and put him on the active roster, or maybe if a guy is out there uh, and they have their eye on him, maybe they'll bring him in, because four wide receivers, that's nice, But you want to have a little bit of depth. So right now, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, and Zay Jones are the only active wide receivers on the 53-man roster for the Raiders after the release of Willie Sneed. Also, I've been hit up quite a bit to ask about the health and the status of running back Josh Jacobs. He left the game on Sunday with what was called a chest injury, and I'll tell you right now, once he scored that touchdown on Sunday, and I was sitting in the press box, I was sitting right next to Clay Baker, and I saw him walking off with the trainer, and he had his pads undone. I said, man, something's wrong with Josh Jacobs. He doesn't look right, and I said it immediately then. I said, it looks like it's an upper body thing, a chest thing, because his pads were undone, and then later it comes out that he has a chest injury, he was ruled out of the game, and and then on Monday, when we met with Rich Basaccia, he said that, hey, he had a chest contusion, but he had a good workout today, and he should be good to go, nothing to worry about. And so, right now, you're probably thinking, if you don't know the story, probably like, okay, so what's the big deal, Q? He's going to be fine and good to go when they play the Giants. Well, that's when everything turns a little cryptic. That's when Josh Jacobs apparently took to either Instagram or Twitter and uh, put out a tweet saying, or I think Instagram post, I do not have a chest injury, I'm tired of explaining this. And then he deleted that. And then he put out another post, don't believe everything you hear, don't believe everything you read, and only believe half of what you see. So again, very cryptic, and I'm not too sure what all that means. I do know this is not the first time that Josh Jacobs has done stuff like this as far as uh, social media posts when it comes to injuries in the Raiders. He did that with John Gruden before when Gruden said he had some kind of injury, and then uh, all of a sudden the, the, uh, the post comes out from Josh Jacobs saying that that's not the case. And I don't remember exactly what that case was, but it happened. So this was kind of weird. And again, I don't think Rich Bisaccia said anything bad. You know what I mean? I mean, basically he said, hey, he's going to be fine. The guy had a good workout. So I'm not too sure what the issue is, but a lot of people have hit me up and asked me. So I played it on Tuesday show, but here's Rich Bisaccia talking about the health of Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and John Simpson. But most importantly, because of this conversation we're having right now, just pay attention to the part about Josh Jacobs. Right now, uh... Josh Jacobs ended up with a chest contusion, so um, he should be fine. We didn't think there was any issues with him today. He had
2: a good workout today. Darren Wallace is going to kind of be day-to-day with treatment. Um, other than that, there is no break or anything that we know of there he's going to stay around all week and get treatment and then um, John
0: right now we're still in evaluation process with him but he was walking around okay Um, we'll see how the next few days goes he's going to stay here as well and get treatment this week so there's Rich Basaccia talking about Josh Jacobs Darren Waller and John Simpson and uh, you know I mentioned it on Tuesday that hey you know Darren Waller that's the one that really stood out to me because he was talking about uh, it's not a break we don't think it's a break or anything like that so that was kind of concerning for me but This Josh Jacobs situation is strange, and I'll tell you right now, man, he's not having a very good 2021 season, and I like Josh Jacobs a lot. Anyone who has listened to me for a while knows I'm a big Josh Jacobs guy. I was a big fan of his. I was very happy when they drafted him in the first round in 2019, but if you go back and you look at what he's done year after year after year, he's... Just gotten worse, you know, and, and I, I say worse. I probably shouldn't say that's probably a bad word. He has regressed. Let's put it like that. Uh, in 2019, he, uh, he played in 13 games, had 1,150 yards. He averaged 4.8 yards a carry, only had seven touchdowns. And I say only, seven touchdowns is a nice amount of touchdowns. But 1,150 yards his rookie year, averaged 4.8 yards a carry. Pretty stinking good. Uh, and then 2020, he played in 15 games. 1,065 yards total, and 3.9 was the average. And he had 12 touchdowns, so he was a touchdown machine in 2020. That's really good, but his average dipped down, you know, 3.9. But I could live with that, especially if you're going to get 15 games and over a 1,000 yards, fine. I'm good with that. He had more carries than he did in 2019. He had 273 as opposed to 242. So far this year, in 2021, which is a very important year, uh, next year in the offseason, well, actually in 2022 in the offseason, the Raiders have to make the decision if they're going to pick up the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs. And that, I'll tell you right now, in my opinion, as a guy who's a big fan of Josh Jacobs, is a question. He's played in five games so far this year. He has 60 attempts and 204 yards, averaging 3.4 yards per carry. And he has five touchdowns. So, again, he's getting a bunch of touchdowns, but he's not getting a lot of yardage. He's not getting his average up very high. And the long he's had in 2021, 15 yards. The long he had in 2020, only 28 yards. The long he had in 2019, 51 yards. So again, you can see he's just kind of regressing and regressing and regressing a little bit. And we all know what they think about running backs in the NFL. So as much as I'm a Josh Jacobs fan, and I am, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. I would not be shocked. I would not be surprised. If this trend continues in 2021, I would not be surprised to see the Raiders not pick up his fifth year option uh, in the offseason when they have to pick up the, or when they have to make a decision on Clefurl and also Jonathan Abrams. So something to pay attention to, but I'm not too sure. I guess to sum this all up, I'm not too sure what his cryptic social media posts mean. Uh, I guess we'll find out at some point, and probably not till next week because there's not going to be anybody talk until then, but really strange. And I, I'm not too sure exactly what it means, but. There you go. That's the latest and the greatest on Josh Jacobs. To close out segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day, I got some nuggets on Derek Carr on... Max Crosby on Casey Hayward on Nate Hobbs. I got some of those nuggets that I want to pass along to close this thing out. So Derek Carr obviously coming off a monster game, 31 for 34, 323 yards and two TDs. Uh, He was great. Uh, He was the only player in the NFL with five games with 300-plus passing yards, as according to Chris Collinsworth on Twitter. And then Josh Dubow from the AP uh, put out this tweet that I thought was pretty interesting. This really has to do with Greg Olson's play calling uh, as opposed to John Gruden's play calling. So far in two games under Greg Olson, 54.8% 54.8% of the snaps have come from under center in two games. That's with Olsen. In five games with John Gruden, 326 Came from under center, so a little bit different in the play style and the play selections from Greg Olsen as John Gruden. Now, again, the one thing to think about is Gruden had five games where Ole's only had two games, but uh, just a little bit different style. And uh, you're seeing that the Raiders and you're seeing Derek Carr really dominate the last two games. So that's a couple little nuggets right there on Carr. Max Crosby, we all know he's been dominating this this year. Uh, him and Unique and Gakwe, I think, are doing some really good things on that defensive line. Uh, this comes from pro football focus as far as the Raiders go, Raiders defensive. Max Crosby leads the NFL with 47 pressures this season, again, per PFF. Crosby has more pressures than 10 teams have gotten from all their edge rushers. The Falcons only have 31. The Giants only have 33. The Jets only have 43, and the Dolphins only have 44. Chargers are at 44. Ravens, Colts, Patriots, Eagles, and Steelers are all at 45. Remember when that used to be the Raiders? Remember when the Raiders would have less defensive line pressures than one dude in the league? And a lot of times it was compared to Khalil Max, like, oh, he's got more pressures and more sacks than the whole Raiders squad. Boy, how things have changed. Boy, how things have turned around. And Max Crosby is doing some really good things. And to take it one step further, how about the highest pressure rates in the NFL right now? How about the top three? Miles Garrett, number one, 19.8%. Tied at number one, Max Crosby, 19.8%. And then number two? Jadavion Clowney at 19.5%. So you have two former number one overall picks two teammates, and then you have a fourth-round pick in Max Crosby. So that's not bad company that he's keeping right now. Miles Garrett, Crosby, and Clowney are the top three as far as highest pressure rates in the NFL currently. Pretty stinking good for a fourth-round pick. And the final nugget, as I mentioned, Casey Hayward and Nate Hobbs just wanted to pass this along from Pro Football Focus as well. Most coverage snaps without allowing a touchdown. Casey Hayward, 258. Nate Hobbs, 246. Not sure if I passed this one along, but if I didn't, want to make sure I do because that's pretty stinking good as well. Uh, Nate Hobbs, been really nice. as a rookie. Uh, Would like to see him get his hands on the ball a couple times, get a couple interceptions, you know, especially in some big-time key moments. But, man, he's playing some good ball. And, of course, Casey Hayward, the Wiley veteran, is as well. So uh, that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, kind of news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, we're going to talk about potential trade deadline moves, who the Raiders could bring in and who they potentially can move out. That's all coming up after I tell you about GetUpside. And I've been telling you about GetUpside for a quick minute, an incredible app. Anyone who buys gas needs to know about it. All listeners of the Lockdown Raider podcast are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making a whole lot, as much as the two to $300 a month in cashback, and there's no catch. The cashback gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. Do it today. GetUpside app, promo code TOUCHDOWN. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked
2: On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. All right, Raider
0: Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about potential trades. As the trade deadline gets closer and closer, uh, November 2nd is the day for the NFL. And it used to be one of those things where you never saw trades. And then the last few years, you've seen a whole bunch of trades. So now it's a conversation to have. And there's been many conversations I've had on this podcast about trades and not being afraid to make trades. If you feel like this guy or the couple of people can get your team over the top, don't be afraid to make that move. So, I think it's a very valid conversation as the Raiders sit at 5-2. and Plenty of people hit me up on Twitter and say, hey, can you talk about the trade deadline? Talk about the trade deadline. So, yeah, no problem. Let's go ahead and knock that out. So, first of all, before I start talking about guys that could be potentially moved, let's talk about guys that I think could be moved and the Raiders are the ones that acquire them. There's a bunch of names that I have. I'm not saying the Raiders are going to go out and get all these guys. I'm saying there's a chance that maybe they go out and get one, two at the max. And that's only if they feel like they need it and they have the assets to go ahead and make that move. But uh, the first one, there's actually a report out saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers are taking calls on former Chargers defensive lineman Melvin Ingram. Said uh, Raiders have had a good production out of former players that are with Gus Bradley. I would imagine they at least take a look at him. And yeah, I could see them taking a look at him as well. I think Gus Bradley always wants to have more Depth along that defensive line to go in waves, but I really don't see them making a move for Melvin Ingram unless they just give the bottom of the barrel as far as like draft capital to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, matter of fact, the write up on Melvin Ingram after flashing in the Steelers' game one upset of the Buffalo Bills getting a sack in week two against the Raiders, Ingram's been quiet. He's registered just two tackles over the last three games, getting only 17 snaps in the game against Seattle before the bye. Again, the Steelers are taking calls on Melvin Ingram. That's one that I'm very cold on. I just don't think that that's a real deal possibility. Don't think that he's really someone that's going to bring a whole lot to the table, even though, as the post said, the Raiders have had a lot of success with guys that have Gus Bradley ties. Next up is a guy that is a little bit more intriguing to me, and that's Cam Robinson, the offensive tackle out of Jacksonville. Uh, This is a tough one because, of course, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback there in Jacksonville. You want to have a guy that's a left tackle of the future. You want to have a guy that can protect your your quarterback that you know is your franchise guy. So this one may be a little tricky. Right now, Cam Robinson is playing on the franchise tag, so that's something to think about. Um, You know, they they could decide that they want to go ahead and move on from him, and they feel like they can get some pretty good premium, because he is a really good left tackle, and of course, Trevor Lawrence is the guy of the future, but if they get some good capital back, maybe they can get another guy. Plus, they have a couple other dudes, including Andrew Norwell, who's only 30 years old, so he's the guy that could take over that spot, that void left by Cam Robinson. And, of course, I'm just saying that that would be a good one because offensive line help the Raiders could use as much as possible, especially after kicking Alex Leatherwood into guard. That's a position where he just might end up being the right guard for years to come. And so they still have a question mark at the right tackle. Brandon Parker is playing better, but – I would like to see a little bit more insurance. I would like to see the Raiders have a guy that they felt a little bit more confident in than Brandon Parker, only because we know the history. So again, Cam Robinson, I think would be a tricky one to try to get, but it's one that I definitely could see the Raiders making that move for to have that extra depth along that offensive line. So uh, I was cold on Melvin Ingram. I'm, I'm warm on Cam Robinson. Moving on along, got to get into some guys that I would be very excited about, and these guys play for the same team. How about defensive backs Byron Jones and Xavier Howard? Not saying both. I'm saying either or. And preferably, in my opinion, Byron Jones would be the guy that I would go after, even though I like Xavier Howard more. And you're probably wondering, like, well, Q, that makes no sense. I think it makes sense because Xavier Howard has injury history. He is a guy that just got another contract extension. Uh, He can get out of his big contract in 2022, or the team could get out of their contract in 2022. But – He's a guy who creates a bunch of turnovers, so I like X a lot, but again, with those knee injuries that he's had, I kind of, eh, kind of stay away from him. Byron Jones doesn't create a bunch of turnovers, but I feel like he's a lot healthier, and he's played in the scheme, the system that Gus Bradley runs, even though it wasn't under Gus Bradley, it was under Chris Richard when he was in Dallas, and he was very successful. I could see him holding down uh, one side of the field opposite of Casey Hayward and really doing a great job. Now... Again, that all depends on how much the Raiders have confidence in Brandon Faison, who's playing some good ball after just being acquired by the Char- or from the Chargers practice squad just a couple weeks ago. If they believe that Faison could be the guy moving forward, then there's no reason to give him any draft capital for one of the two guys that have big-time contracts. But if they are a little shaky there, I would definitely make a look in Miami and say, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, one of you two, come on down. And in my book, I'd be willing to say Byron Jones would be the guy that I would prefer. Now it's just me. That... I would, be very, I would be high on that one, especially if you're 5-2 and two right now, as the Raiders are, and you just get all the confidence in the world by having a dude that you feel like is a shutdown guy opposite of Casey Hayward who's playing some of the best ball in the league. Then all of a sudden you really have a dynamic duo, plus you have Nate Hobbs in the slot. You just feel really good. Then you have Brandon facing at some real good quality depth as well to go with Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Merrick who's playing good ball. As well, I think that really helps solidify the secondary for Gus Bradley, Ron Miles, Richard Smith, the whole defensive coaching staff. But uh, it's not going to be cheap. You're going to have to give up some pretty premium uh, draft capital as far as I'm concerned. Maybe you have to give up a player. I wouldn't mind giving up Damon Arnett, and I bring up Damon Arnett because, well, that's a guy that I'm going to bring up at some point in this segment, even though currently right now he's on the IR. So those are the players that I'm looking at across the league that I say, okay, potential, maybe the Raiders would be looking at, maybe they try to make a move if they feel like that that's going to help solidify. Again, a couple DBs I'm looking at, offensive lineman I'm looking at, and then Melvin Ingram who they already apparently uh, could be looking at or maybe the, the Steelers are taking calls on. Those are the guys that I'm looking at right there as far as potential players that Raiders could bring in. Now how about guys that I could see the Raiders trying to move on from? And unfortunately for the silver and black, it's former first-round draft picks. Cleve Ferrell. I thought that there was some kind of room for him on this roster. I thought he was a guy that, and I think I've said it each and every week, maybe this is a week that Cleve Ferrell could step up and, and really perform and show what he can do and is strong against the run. Well, he just – Unfortunately for Klee, and I like the guy a lot, had him on the show before, It's just not working out on the field for him, and now he's not even getting snaps. He's getting very limited amount of reps, and so I do believe that in the offseason, he's definitely a guy that the Raiders, if they don't move on from him ahead of time, they are not picking up his fifth-year option. There's no way. The write-up on Clee Furl, he's played in 30 NFL games. He's failed to log a sack in 26 of them. Unfortunately for him and the Raiders, he's having even less of an impact this season than he did in either of his previous two campaigns. He's a healthy scratch against Baltimore week one. While he's played in all four games since, he has yet to participate in more than 30% of the team's defensive snaps in any contest. He's also notched just four pressures this season per next-gen stats and zero quarterback hits. That's very unfortunate just because, well, again, he was the number four overall pick. He was a guy that a lot of folks had questions about when the Raiders drafted him, but gave him the benefit of the doubt, gave the Raiders the benefit of the doubt, Mike Mayock and company, when they said that, hey, they believed in him, they saw what they wanted in him, and, okay, well, maybe he'll shake out him. What do we know? Well, it it just hasn't and it doesn't seem like it's going to anytime soon. I thought when uh, Gus Bradley said that he wanted defenders to come in waves, I thought, okay, well, Clee will have a role. Even if it is the second wave, okay, he'll still be in there and be pretty active. It just isn't happening. So, if the Raiders could find a way to move on from him, it's not going to improve their team, but if they could find a way to move on from him and get something in return, then I think that's a win, because no doubt about it, in my opinion, he's not even with the Silver and Black in 2022. They decline his fifth-year option and probably just flat-out release him, as far as I'm concerned, but that's that's just me. Now, i got to get to the- inevitable right i mentioned damon arnett earlier in this segment and i gotta go to damon arnett right now the guy has been a major major disappointment this too is another guy and look this happens and this is what happens when we're fans and we let our fandom get in the way damon arnett is a guy that i allowed myself to believe okay i see the vision okay i understand what john gruden and mike mayock were saying when they got him he's that old school raider defensive back he's that old school get in your face beat you up on the line of scrimmage he's gonna be that guy I fell for the banana in the tailpipe that was Damon Arnett, thinking, okay, this guy's going to be a dog. This guy was a big reason that Jeffrey Okuda, when at Ohio State, was you know, respected and, and so sought after and was ended up being the number three overall pick by the Detroit Lions because, well, the play of uh, Damon Arnett. He helped out in a major way. You know, He, he was a dog on the defensive side of things as well. It just hasn't worked out either. you know. And unfortunately, man, there's a lot of first-round picks that I keep saying haven't worked out for the silver and black. You can even go all the way back to when Big Reggie was still the GM and he went and got Garyon Conley from Ohio State. Didn't work out. Matter of fact, they traded him to the Texans the week before they played him. Former first round pick, Cleve Ferrell. I already talked about trading him. Now I'm talking about trading another former first round pick in Damon Arnett. It's just, those are the ones you got to hit on, especially when you have multiple picks. You've got to be able to get some playmakers. I'm not saying you got to hit on every single one of them, but you've got to hit on more than you miss. And unfortunately for the Raiders, they've missed on a bunch. This is where I find them right now, right before the trade deadline. And even though Damon Arnett's on IR, maybe a team like the Dolphins. Hey, we'll send you Byron Jones. You send us Damon Arnett back and, you know, you'll take on that contract and we'll have a DB of the future that we think we could work with. I mean, in 2020, Arnett played in nine games, had two pass defense, and that was it. No interceptions. 2021, he's played in four games, had one pass defense, and that's it. Now he's on IR. Four total tackles this year. 25 total tackles in 2020. That's, I mean, that's not first-round numbers. And I know Jeffrey Okuda hasn't done anything, and he's out for the season with a major injury. But I'm telling you, man, that is so disappointing to look at the failures of the Silver and Black in the first round. It's just it's bad. Jonathan Abrams got things turned around this year. He's playing some really good ball. And Josh Jacobs is a big question mark. It really is. I mean, think about that. The five first-round picks that were all involved in the Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack trades all have huge question marks. You know what I mean? Klee Ferrell, he won't be on the roster in 2022, in my opinion. Damon Arnett probably won't be on the roster in 2022, in my opinion. I'm trying to trade both those guys right now. Josh Jacobs, he's regressing in his third year so far in the league. Jonathan Abram, he's finally starting to step his game up. I mean, man, that's that's all those guys are big question marks, and those were your five first-round picks? Excuse me, that was their four four out of five first-round picks because they also had Henry Ruggs, who is playing a lot better this year than he did his rookie year. So Henry Ruggs is looking the part. So really, I mean, you got Henry Ruggs that you feel good about, you got Josh Jacobs as a question, and Jonathan Abrams starting to step up. So I can make the argument for three guys that are going to be on the roster next year. I can also make the argument that, one guy is going to be on the roster next year. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really a tough call. We'll see what happens, man. We'll just see what happens. I just don't like the fact that uh, there's not a lot of uh, production. There's not a lot of good play coming out of those first-round picks outside of Henry Ruggs. And like I said, Jonathan Abram is really playing a lot better this year. And, of course, I like Josh Jacobs a lot. I just wish he'd stay healthy and I wish he'd get back to what he was his rookie year. He just isn't there right now. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, kind of looking at some potential players that the Raiders could make moves for or some potential players on the Raiders that they might be moving out before the November 2nd trade deadline. So we'll keep an eye on that to see if anything shakes out. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raiders podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. If you got a player or you got a player that you're looking at across the league that you think the Raiders should be looking at, let me know about that as well. Well, again, 707 654 4693. Before we get to segment number three, I want to tell you about a couple great sponsors, including betonline.ag. And they are the one spot, the number one spot, as a matter of fact, for all things basketball, all things football, Major League Baseball postseason, World Series action, boxing, UFC, hockey is back. They've got everything you need on their website, betonline.ag. Head on over there on your laptop or your mobile device, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You got to use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's how you get that 50% welcome bonus. Got to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it's where the games begin. I also want to tell you about Built Bar, and if you haven't heard Paranormal Pumpkin is available for you right now. Built Bar Puffs Paranormal Pumpkin. If you're a big Halloween person, this is the Built Bar for you. Paranormal Pumpkin Built Puffs. It's only available for a limited time just like Coconut Marshmallow, just like Blueberry Muffin, Rocky Road, Strawberry, Cherry Lime. Those are available for a limited time. They do have Peanut Butter Brownie, Coconut, Mint Brownie, Raspberry, Salted Caramel, Coconut Almond, Double Chocolate, Cookies of Cream, one of my favorite, and Cherry barcia. They have all those available to you as well, but Paranormal Pumpkin is available for Halloween, limited time, 100% chocolate, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 7 grams of sugar. Uh, It's a great tasting protein bar. So if you're looking for a snack while you're watching some fantastic sports, well, you can go to the Built Bar and get that and feel good about yourself because you know it's a really good tasting Protein bar, but it's good for you at the same time. Check them out today, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your order when you check out. That's LOCK15 is the promo code at BuiltBar.com. Segment number three, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
2: your team. Every day.
0: Here we go, Raider Nation, segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Raider Beck hitting us up out of Concord. He's calling to talk about pro football-focused top rookies that I talked about last week and brings up a name that we talked about quite a bit in the draft process. Here he is, Raider Beck out of Concord.
3: Hey Q, it's Raider Beck at Concord. Uh, yeah, shout out Concord. I'm right down the street from Tabernacle, so that was cool to hear that. Uh, you might want to cut that out. But, uh, yeah, Raider back here in Concord. Hey, riding high on the Raiders win. Uh, one thing I got to mention, you talked about, uh, pro football focuses top ten, uh, players last week. And man, I heard a name on that name on that list that, uh, really bothered me. It wasn't Nate Hobbs. Happy about that. But Jeremiah Oso-Cormora. And I know that's somebody that you talked about. I believe you talked about quite a bit in the pre-draft. And he just sat out there on the day two, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to ruin anyone's good time, but that, you know, you want it all, right? And, uh, you know, he made top ten for football focus along with Nate Hobbs, and he's playing well. So I think we missed on that one a little bit. I do like Leatherwood. I do think he'll get better. I don't know about Trayvon there. I haven't really been paying attention to him too much. I saw the interception a few weeks ago, uh, but, I you know, I haven't really noticed him as much as some of the other players, like Hayward, uh abram and all those others uh but yeah just wanted to i don't know if there's anything to say to that just uh it bothered me a little bit to hear him in the top 10 i mean good for him but uh kind of felt like we should have grabbed that guy so anyways man Thanks for all
0: you do, and uh, talk soon. There he goes, Raider Beck. Shout-out to Tabernacle. Shout-out to Mr. Siler, man. That was my coach. That was my basketball coach, Mr. Siler. I think his wife, Mrs. Siler, was a, a coach. Uh, not a coach, but a teacher there as well. As far as your call, my man, yeah, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, that was a guy that I talked about quite a bit leading up to the draft. I think they could have used him. He's a big-time playmaker for the Browns, but they went in another direction, and obviously offensive lineman was a big need. I do like Trayvon Merrick a lot, and the thing about him is he's playing good ball. Nobody's talking about him because he really hasn't been tested that much, which means he's playing really good ball, not to mention he's allowing Jonathan Abram to play up in the in the box, which is more comfortable for him. So I think that that's a really good duo right there. I'm not mad at that pick in the second round. And honestly, because offensive lineman was such a big need and Alex Leatherwood uh, was looked at as the guy, even though he's not the tackle anymore, he's the guard, I'm still, I'm okay with those picks over Coromoa, but yeah, that that was a big-time playmaker that could have been on that Raiders defense, but I think they're working it out anyway. But good call, my man. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Luke in the 503. Q, Luke in the 503, just listen to what does it take for Basaccia to earn the full-time head coaching gig. I totally understand your take, but just want to say I'm torn on this. Like you've been saying since the offseason, there's just something different about this team. I've been a Raiders fan since the 80s, and this team is just now starting to blossom into something special. I don't want to change or start over again. I feel like Mark Davis needs to let this team continue to organically evolve as a special bonded team that they are. Is there such thing as an interim coach staying an interim coach for an extra year? I know there isn't, but maybe we try. Just see if we can stay on this roll, then see how Basaccia handles the offseason. Try to keep the entire staff intact and use next season as a chance to evaluate and do due diligence to see how we move forward after the 2022-2023 season. I know that's an odd take, but let me know what you think. Just win, baby. Raiders. That's from Luke in the 503. Off top, thanks for the text, my man. I appreciate you. But no, there is no interim head coach uh, the second season. There just isn't, you know, and. Uh, Mark Davis and company are going to have to make some big decisions, you know. And so there's a lot to be said. There's a good argument for keeping the continuity and keeping Passaccia around. But there's also a very good argument about doing your due diligence and looking all around the league and, and leaving no stone unturned and trying to find the best guy for the job for the long term. Because, yes, you're trying to win right now, but you also you want long-term success. So if you feel like you're close enough and that this guy can help put you over the top right now, maybe you do stick with him. And maybe you just give him a two-year deal or a three-year deal. I don't know. But it's a decision that Mark Davis is going to have to do. Uh, The thing about it is they're the only team without a head coach right now. They have an interim head coach. They can start to get their short list together, even though they can't start interviewing or hiring anybody until after the season. But they're doing their work. They're doing their homework right now. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But that's a good take from you. Uh, I do appreciate it. Next up got a call from Jordan in Oregon. He's calling to give multiple shout outs, including the Raider Nation, my adventures I'm having in Las Vegas, and also shout out Coach Rich Pisaccia. Here he is, Jordan in Oregon.
2: Hey, what's going on, Q, Jordan in Oregon? Hey, buddy, I wanted to call in and first off just give a few shout outs. Uh Raider Nation for sh- whoever was at that game in Vegas this weekend. Shout out to you. There's a point in the game, uh, just looking at that end zone and seeing some of that. You know, uh, black hole, if you want to call up people from, that have been going to the games for years. I could see you guys. I could see you guys pounding on that, those M zone pads and, and making it look disruptive. And there's a few points in this game. We could hear you guys. So shout out to Raider Nation. Q second is to you, buddy. Um, shout out to you, man. I got to see a few pictures of your weekend with just your crew, the Raider Nation radio crew. Looks like you guys were out having some fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of living through you too. Uh, we've been rolling for, with you for days and me and my family are watching you from afar, man, and just seeing, seeing how much fun you're having and, and, uh, seeing you embrace, embrace this, uh, situation you have. And there's been a few times on Raider Nation Radio that I've been listening to you get ready to go in for an interview and I can literally hear the little kid in you just excite, the excitement, um, Tom Flores um Jim Punkin, any of those interviews you've been doing lately, I've been listening to them all. And it's, it's genuinely awesome to hear, you know, that, that little kid excitement in you. And, uh, shout out to you for that, man. I appreciate that. But also I wanted, the key point I wanted to make, and I'll try to sum it up as quick as I can, is shout out to, uh, Coach Visachia for, uh, basically giving Carr an endorsement that I don't think he necessarily has had. And that's just for the presser after the game you could hear Coach Coach B, that's probably the best way I should say his name so I don't butcher his last name. But Coach B coming out and endorsing Carr and the job he does. Um I thought that was really cool and if anybody hasn't listened to that cue, I know you played played a lot of that presser, but go listen to that whole presser and there's just an endorsement there that I don't think Derek Carr's really had. I don't think he's had that since Jack Del Rio. Um, there's a point when Del Rio came out in 2016, and he said something that'll always stick with me. Goes, "Hey, we always have a chance when number is in the game." That was 2016. That was five years ago, and um, I think it's been a long time since since he's really had a coach give him that like ringing endorsement, like he's our guy. You know, this guy's unbelievable right now, and the way he's playing, he deserves that. And the leadership role that Carr's taken on. Shout out to Derek, man. But anyway, Q, keep up the good work, buddy. I'm going to keep living through you and excited about uh, two weeks from now. Peace out, bro.
0: There he goes. That's Jordan in Oregon. And, yeah, man, Raider Nation absolutely did a great job of showing up showing out. Got to give the nation mad props for doing their job that they've been doing at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, Thank you for the shout-out as well. I'm trying to do my best to allow everyone to enjoy this ride that I'm on because – it's because everyone Why I'm here. I mean, everyone's played a major role, regardless if you think so or not. That's the truth. As far as Rich Passaccia goes, he definitely is giving Carr the full control of the offense and really the team. Carr is doing some big things this offense. Uh, feels like he's kind of been unleashed. Greg Olsen really is pressing the right button so far through two games. And I think that Carr is actually making some more decisions as far as going into the game plan. So there's a lot to like right now, which is, you know, funny because we've been talking about what Rich Passaccia needs to do to keep that, uh, that head coaching job. But all this plays a role, plays a part of it. And, again, you are going to learn more about this team, more about this coaching staff, more about Rich Passaccia as the season goes on and on and on through the good, the bad, and even some of the ugly. So we'll find out, and I think we'll have the answers to our own questions sooner rather than later. So thank you so much for that call. I appreciate you. Next up, got a short text from Stanton right here in Vegas. Come on, Q. Don't count them out. You said we got 10 more games to go after the break. Don't forget the playoffs. That's from Stanton in Vegas. And, yeah, I would like to go ahead and say, hey, they got 12 games, 13, 14, whatever. I would like to say that, but that's not guaranteed. I said they got 10 games because that's what they're guaranteed. Whatever they earn after that is gravy. You know what I mean? But, yeah, they're guaranteed 10. So I'm not counting them out. I'm just also not putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm not putting the cart before the horse. I'm trying to say this is what they got. This is what they're guaranteed. They've got to go out and earn the rest. So, uh, no, I'm not going to put them in the playoffs already. I think they're a playoff team. I think they have the potential. But potential only goes so far. you got to go out there and earn it. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And finally got a call from T. Woolvy. He's calling to talk about Tuesday's conversation about Rich Masaccia, what it would take for him to stay on as the full-time head coach. Here he is, T. Woolvy. What's
1: up, Q? It's T. Wolfe here in Nashville. Uh, great pod. Uh, just replying to your uh, request to have our thoughts on, on Coach Rich. And, uh, you know, with an unprecedented situation uh, like that team and, and all the fan base through this whole group and thing, I mean, why, why not keep them if, if the if the players respond to them and they love playing for him and he gives them the freedom to, uh you know, self-regulate the team and the leaders step up into their roles as they should. We've always talked about we need some dogs, we need some leaders. Well, while well, they're here, let's let's see how far they can take it. And the the most important thing is, you know, we have Coach Gus uh, who wants to be a DC head coach before, Marinelli was a head coach before, Cable was a head coach before, Oli and D.C. have a great relationship. Uh, We don't know if Ron Miles is going to stick around, but, you know, if they're all working in a symbiotic relationship and they're all happy in their roles, Coach Rich just is kind of the the figurehead of it and and just does his deal and kind of stays out of the way and just, just lets players play and coaches coach why don't we just have an unprecedented situation where really everybody's just working as a team together. The team plays as one and the coaches are doing their thing. That's what we've always wanted. And that's why I think a lot of people are saying that, you know, Gruden, so to speak, was the problem because he was the face of the team rather than the team being, you know, the face of everything. It was Gruden was the shield. So, I think if they get in the playoffs and they make a little run and let's say they get they get past the first round and or who knows anything could happen. They might totally galvanize and we might we might see super Well, we don't know. But I think you're right. It's too early to call. Let's let's see how this unfolds at the end of the year. But if they make a run and, and these players are having fun and they're responding to them and DC likes his role with with Oli, why switch it up? Why get a whole new head coach when that's just gonna be the same thing for Derek Carr, another head coach. That the players not, might not respond to a new a new regime. So let's just pump the brakes. But I say if it works, let it ride. All right, man. Raider Nation, have a good
0: one. There he goes, St. Wolvie. Thank you for the call, calling out of Tennessee. And yeah, I think one of the biggest factors in this decision is well, I think there's two things. One, it's way too early. We talked about that on Tuesday's show. Want to see how the team plays through adversity. Want to see how this team plays the rest of the way. Uh, And then, obviously, I think, in my opinion, it's really important also to hold on to Gus Bradley. What do you have to do to hold on to Gus Bradley? You finally got a defensive coordinator that is doing some big things with this team and getting the guys to play at a high level. Do you want to move on from that? If you brought a new guy in, would he want to keep Gus Bradley? I mean, there's so many questions that need to be answered. But uh, as far as, you know, getting Basaccia and keeping him around, I mean, it might be just that simple. It really could be. Or it could be a decision that Mark Davis really has to think about long and hard. Hell, I brought it up on Tuesday show. Do you even bring Mike Mayock back? Is he a guy that Mark Davis looks at and says, yeah, that's the guy moving forward? So there's a lot of internal questions that the Raiders have to answer before they can move on and decide what they're going to do for next season. Again, the reason why they've got to go ahead and let this season play on out. But thank you so much for that. Appreciate all the feedback. Lots of good stuff on Tuesday's topic, on the team in general. Just a a lot of great feedback from Raider Nation, as always. So I definitely appreciate you. That's it for today's show. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have more news and notes of the day. We'll have more calls and texts out that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. And, of course, as mentioned, Got a lot of different subjects written down that I'm ready to talk about throughout the course of this bye week. So we'll keep on trucking and move on into Thursday. So Raider Nation, as always, appreciate you. Take care of your family. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.